Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. Join us as we journey together through the book of 1 Peter in our current series entitled Living Hope. We pray that this message will encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. Hey, we're so glad that you're here this morning. Uh, We're going to jump in. If you've got a Bible, find the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. If you've got a journal, find the first page of that journal. Um, This past week, my, my wife and I made a little trip to visit her sister in Kansas City. And so Wednesday, we were sitting in a diner uh, outside of Kansas City called The Big Biscuit. And you never believe the type of food they serve there. So uh, I was eating some biscuits and gravy. And uh, it was kind of an old-timey place. They had, like, old movie posters and stuff up on the walls. You can kind of picture the place with me here. Uh, Old diner, movie posters, vintage photos, all of that. And I saw a poster that just made me, took me back to junior high. Anybody ever seen this movie or read this book Uh, by the title of The Outsiders. Anybody heard of The Outsiders? It's a classic. Yes, awesome. I loved that book and loved, uh, you know, the movie wasn't as good as the book. That's what everybody always says, right? Um, But I, I, it was the first book, I was like 13 when I read it. It was the first book that I read for fun. You know, everything else was an assignment. This book I started reading as an assignment and then I loved it and I couldn't put it down. And so we got another assignment to write uh, an article, write a thing about Um, an author. And fortunately for me at 13, I knew one author. It was the author of The Outsiders, S.E. Hinton. And so I was excited. I was like, man, this author, I can't wait to learn about him. He he remembers exactly what it's like to be a teenage boy. He must have kept a good journal because he is in my head. Like, I'm so excited. So imagine uh, my 13-year-old self. Imagine my despair to discover that this is S.E. Hinton. And And so, uh, pretty impressive. Actually, I don't know when she started writing The Outsiders, but it was published when she was 17 years old, one of the best-selling books uh, of all time. It was published when she was 17. And, uh, you know, now I have lots of female authors that I love and that I read, but as a 13-year-old boy, I was devastated that this was S.E. Hinton. I didn't see it coming. I was impressed, but I was, I was devastated. And so my little uh, About the Author study changed how I read uh, all of her books. I read Tex and Rumblefish, and that was then, this is now, outside. I read all of them, but as I read them now, I looked at them completely differently, knowing who the author was. Today, we are jumping into a study in First Peter. If you got your journal, wave it in the air, like you just don't care. Okay, um, and so we're, we're going to be here in First Peter chapter 1, and you're going to figure out why you need one of these journals for a while, because we're not going to get very far. We're going to get like a verse into First Peter today, okay? Um, we're going to learn about the author. If you've snuck in and I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's TJ. I'm the lead pastor here. We are thrilled uh, that you would be here with us at Bluff First, excited about what God's doing here, and um, excited to see my mom become a member this morning. That was awesome. Uh, that was super cool for me. Uh, us, Neither of us really grew up in church, and so I thank God for what he's done. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse number 1. Peter makes it easy for us to learn about the author and figure out who it is. There are some books of the Bible you're just not sure. He puts his signature right at the beginning. He says, this is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in, here we go, 
Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. I know Asia. Anybody else? You know that one? And uh, Bithynia. Lots of places we don't maybe recognize. Uh, this is ancient Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. Uh, Peter is writing to believers that are scattered in the midst of persecution and suffering uh, in the modern-day area of Turkey. And again, he makes it easy to let everybody know who wrote it. It was Peter. Um, spoiler alert, if you do some research on Peter, he's not a 17-year-old girl from Oklahoma, okay? It's not, not who he is. Um, maybe you've heard of Peter. Maybe you've seen um, cartoons or movies that Peter is in. Uh, you probably heard a joke or two where, you know, somebody gets to heaven and Peter's at the gate. I think we have like an old comic strip, uh, those types of things where Peter's there, you know, gate checking everybody, checking your passport before you get in. Just want you to know, Peter has nothing to do with you entering heaven, okay? Jesus is taking care of that. You don't have to impress Peter. Um, but anyway, we've seen those depictions of him. Maybe you have seen some of the TV, like handsome uh, this is like soap opera Peter, right? He's got the chiseled jawline and the trimmed beard, and he's looking, looking pretty good there. Uh, I like this version. This is kind of like Rambo Peter. Um, shirtless, headband, just hauling thousands of fish in. He's a beast, right? Then you got uh, Happy. This is the happy one. It's kinda, it kind of looks like, like the friendly guardian of the galaxy or something maybe there. Um, still got a great beard. Um, Old man, Peter, like the old man. I think this is a Rembrandt, but he's still got a sweet beard. Even he's losing his hair on top, he's still got a good beard. Uh, his nose has gotten a little bigger, but his, his beard looks great. And then my personal favorite, this is just totally out of control bearded Peter. Like this beard has just got its own zip code. Um, it's awesome. But what do we know about Peter? We know he was not a 17-year-old girl. He's a grown man, okay, and he had a sweet beard. And if you caught it in the Rambo photo, we know that he was a fisherman. Now, are there any fishermen in the house today? Anybody that likes to fish a little bit here? Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I am not a fisherman. All right. Not me. Uh, but if you are maybe on the weekend, your day off, you go catch a few trout, catch a couple bass, whatever. Um, it's bass, right? Not bass. Just making sure. Anyway, so you go out, you throw, you do that whole deal, and you, you're like, hey, I'm a fisherman. This is not that kind of fisherman. This is Peter's livelihood. He's a commercial fisherman. It's a family trade. His father, his brothers, probably, his, probably other generations pass this down. This is what he does for a living. This is how he pays the bills. Peter has a wife. He has a family. He has a career as a fisherman. And that's where we find him uh, at the beginning of his story. It's not going to be uh, in your journal there, but if you want to turn to John chapter 1 or follow along on the screen... Uh, Jesus, after living a relatively quiet life, eventually begins his earthly ministry, and he, he fasts and prays, and he's tempted, and he goes out, and he begins to collect disciples. He begins to go around and handpick some men to follow him. He picks 12, right, to be with him for the three, three and a half years of his earthly uh, ministry. And so we see in John chapter 1 that one of them who had followed Jesus was a guy named Andrew. Everyone say Andrew. Andrew, say Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. There was a lot of Andrews in here this morning. Um, I thought it was just one. But anyway, uh, so Andrew is a guy that had responded to Jesus, and we find out he has a brother. He's Simon Peter's brother. Now, throughout the scriptures, you're going to see Peter sometimes called Simon, sometimes called Peter. He's the same guy. We'll get to that, okay? But here's what Andrew does, verse 41. 
He first found his own brother, Simon, Simon Peter, and he says to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. There's a certain expectation among Jewish boys that one day the Lord is going to send a rescuer, and Andrew goes, bro, literally, bro, brother, uh, we found him. We have found the Messiah. And so, verse 42 says, one of my favorite phrases in all the Bible, it says, he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. Elsewhere, it says son of Jonah. That might be confusing. It's the same name. It's just different versions, right? And he says, you're Simon. You shall be called Cephas or Peter, Petra, Peter. There's a lot of different languages going on in this region, a lot of different versions of this guy's name. But Andrew brings him to Jesus. Now, we're going to learn more about Peter's life and his ups and his downs and all that. And I'm jumping the gun a little bit. I'm getting ahead of myself. But suffice it to say, if we're going to spend a whole Sunday talking about this guy uh, 2,000 years later, he's a pretty important guy, okay? He does a lot of great things for God. And I want to just take a moment to pause before we talk about this great life that he lived with failures and successes and all these things. I want to just pause for a second and recognize that it all started with a simple invitation. It all started with somebody who had already met Jesus bringing him to also meet Jesus. This is what life is about, okay? This is why we're here this morning. I don't know if you thought we were here uh, to have a social gathering. You thought we were here for coffee. You thought we were here for music. We are here this morning because some of us who have met Jesus are excited to talk about him and are hoping that some of the rest of y'all meet him as well. That's why we are here. This is what discipleship is. This is what evangelism is. This is what the Great Commission is. People who meet Jesus can't help but bring other people to meet Jesus. Andrew met Jesus, and he goes, what should I do? What should I do? And he doesn't start a church. He doesn't build a building. He doesn't do anything like that first. His first instinct is, I got to find my brother, and I got to bring him to Jesus. I like how one church says it. This is not original, but it's, it's catchy. Found people, find people. Found people, find people. This is what happens. Andrew meets Jesus, and he's like, who else can I bring to meet this Jesus? And when we do that, it's impressive to see what God can do, isn't it? Who knows what God can do? Man, I, I, I tell you what, as, as we uh, saw my mom become a member this morning in a church that I pastor, I wasn't expecting that, and I know that I know that I know that Sister Tanner's granddaughter, Ashley, wasn't expecting that when she was like, you need to go to church, you need Jesus, right? And I did. I was like, I did. But she, I know she wasn't thinking, one day, you're going to pastor a church, and my grandma's going to go to it, and your mom's going to be, I know she wasn't thinking that. She was just thinking, look, I've met Jesus, he's changed my life, your life needs some fixing, you need to meet, and there were other people that played a part, other Andrews in my life, if you will, but it's amazing what God can do. The people that you bring to Jesus might do even bigger things for God than you do. You know, we know Andrew's name, he's in the scriptures, but we know a lot more 
about Peter. And I don't think Peter was expecting that. I don't think he was saying, hey, you know what? If I could just get Peter to Jesus, then he might become a martyr. He might become a leader of the church. He might become somebody that preaches and thousands of people get saved. He might become somebody who's, who walks down the street and his shadow heals people. I don't think that's what Andrew had in mind. I think Andrew met Jesus, was impressed, was impacted, and just thought, I want my brother who I care about to meet this Jesus. No expectations, just I want you to meet him. I want you to meet him. And yet God does awesome things in Andrew's brother, another fisherman, an average Joe. Andrew wasn't expecting that at all, was he? And you may be here this morning, and the person that brought you to church, maybe this church, maybe a different church, the person who brought you to Jesus, maybe they're long gone. Maybe they're not around. Maybe they've passed on. Maybe, they, maybe they're still here, and they're not even a believer anymore. They don't even go to church anymore. But you're still here. And God has a way of working this way in relationships. We never know who we might be bringing to Jesus. Like the, the, the average brother fisherman is not who you're expecting to lead the church and be talked about for thousands of years. And yet that's what God had in store. That's what God planned. So, so who is it that you might invite or bring and you don't even know what God wants to do? That's humbling to me to think, oh my goodness, are there people with the potential to do more for God's kingdom even than, than I'll ever dream of doing, and the only thing stopping them is me just inviting them, me just bringing them along, me just giving them the opportunity, but I'm too ashamed, or I'm too embarrassed, or I'm too distracted to bring people to Jesus. It's important that we recognize Peter's invitation uh, changed the world. Andrew inviting Peter to meet Jesus, Jesus inviting Peter to follow him. If we had time to read it this morning, we'd read that Jesus said, hey, drop your nets, follow me. And it wasn't like drop your fishing pole for the day and enjoy a nice weekend with me. Let's get to know each other. It was leave your family business, leave your legacy, your heritage, leave your income, leave your life, follow me. And the crazy thing is Peter said yes. Now, as we'll get to know him a little bit better, um, we'll learn he's got strengths and weaknesses. And, and one of those, I don't know, it might be both a strength and a weakness, Peter's very impulsive. Anybody else impulsive here? Anybody else like, when you get to Walmart and you get to the aisle, you're like, this is a dangerous land for me. I'm about to get six more things I didn't plan on purchasing, but they're right here. It's an impulse buy, right? Anybody else like, you might just see something on Facebook and it's in the Amazon cart like 10 minutes later, you know? And I'm careful what I even say about that because I know my phone is listening, right? And so you saw something, and you thought about it, and boom, impulse buy, and then you get it, and you don't really use it, whatever. Peter was impulsive. I relate to that a little bit, you know, um, and my wife said amen. Um, but, but here's the thing. It, it maybe came in handy here. Jesus says, follow me. And Peter says, okay. And he drops everything. And, you know, here's the thing. Peter's invitation is our invitation. Peter's calling is our calling to take what we once held dear and to let it go and to follow Jesus, to cling instead of to all of our stuff and all of our security and safety, to cling to the person who has our best interest in mind, who has our soul in his hand, to cling to Jesus Christ. That's our invitation. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, he didn't say, uh, if Peter wants to follow me, if Simon wants to follow me, he said, if any of you, and he's speaking to us here today as well, if any of you wants to be my follower, and listen, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I'm not anything like him really, but I want to become more like him, and I want to wind up where he is. Amen? 
If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross. Follow me. This is what Peter was invited to do. This is what we are invited to do. And he said yes, and he becomes one of the guys. He's one of the 12, right? But not just one of the 12. Jesus has three guys he's even closer to. He's one of those. And not just that, he's really the leader of the 12. If you look at the scriptures, anytime there's a list of the disciples, it's not alphabetical, but somebody's mentioned first. Somebody's mentioned last, too. His name is Judas, okay? So you can kind of tell how that list is working, right? Somebody's mentioned first every time, it's Simon Peter. Simon, son of John, that's who is mentioned first. Peter becomes a leader of the disciples. He spends three, three and a half years with Jesus before Jesus would be crucified. And he's mentioned first over and over. He's written more about than any other disciple. And yet we understand, uh, even though this is the guy Jesus has chosen to not only be one of the 12, that's a big deal, not only be one of the three, but to be the leader, the guy, Jesus' right hand. I mean, who would like to be Jesus' right-hand man? That sounds like a pretty important job. And yet, he was far from perfect, wasn't he? He was impulsive, as we mentioned. You ever have a friend that's just always saying the wrong thing? Always just speaking before they've even thought about what the, like, you ever have a friend growing up, you're like, what are you doing? You know, you're like, I is that friend. It was me, Pastor, right? Um, I had a friend, uh, I won't say his name, but it was Austin. And um, Austin, if you're watching, uh, we, oh, we didn't go to church much, but there was a church near where we lived. Austin was my neighbor. He's the neighbor kid. We hung out, and there's a, there's a church down the road, and they were very friendly. They always invited us to stuff, and so they came. I don't know why they wanted two little 10, 12-year-old boys to come to their stuff, but they were like, hey, do you guys want to come? We're having a church picnic I think it was at like Markham Spring or somewhere. Some of y'all know where that is. And so they invited us, and we're like, sure, we'll go. Uh, who can we ride with? And it's the 90s, right? So you're allowed to ride with any adult. Like, it's just go for it. Probably no seatbelt. Just if anybody will take the kid, just go. And so we rode with the pastor. And that was intimidating. He was a great guy, but he was, you know, it's the pastor. So we rode with him. We had fun at the picnic. We goofed off, whatever. Well, uh, the pastor picked us up at the church because we lived near the church. But afterwards, they were like, hey, pastor doesn't live close to the church. He lives way out in Patterson or wherever. So there's this other family. They live closer to you guys. They're going to give you a ride home. And we're like, okay, that's fine. Our parents don't know. We don't have phones. We're just going to go with these strangers. That's fine, right? It's the 90s. So, <laughs> so we're walking to the car. Now, this is, I know Austin. Like, he's gotten me in trouble at taekwondo practice. He's gotten me in trouble on the bus. He's sometimes saying the wrong thing, right, doing the wrong thing, but it's like, it's going to be cool. It's no big deal. We're walking through the parking lot. We don't know these people. We don't know what they drive. We've never been with them. And there's this one car that kind of sticks out from the rest. It's a creative vehicle, all right? Let's say the interior is uh, custom, okay? It's not original. Uh, the hubcaps are all unique, all right? It is uh, sitting on different types of wheels, different types of tires. It's been through it, all right? And I'm, th I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's an interesting car. But Austin, <laughs> he thinks out loud. And he says, forgive me, okay, I know this is a bad word in some homes. He says, look at that piece of crap. <laughs> and out loud, and you know where this is going, right? You, you've already figured it out. You're in the car with me, right? You know. They're like, well, that's what we're taking. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> Oh, what, are you, what are you doing? 
whole drive home, don't say a word. I'm like, love the car, it's beautiful, thank you for the ride, you know. Always putting his foot in his mouth. That's Peter, okay? Peter's failures, he's always messing up. Peter, I like to imagine, Peter goes around, he's like, so when are you due? When's the baby due? And women are just like, I'm not pregnant, you know? Like, that's Peter. He's always just messing up, not thinking. We heard a sermon this weekend at Stronger Men's Conference. That's, if you're like, yeah, oh, oh. fishermen, <laughs> right? Okay. So uh, we heard a sermon Friday night about the, the Jesus' transfiguration. Jesus went up a mountain with three of his disciples, one of them being Peter, and he reveals who he is. His face shines like the sun. His clothes dazzle white. It's this crazy thing. Moses shows up, been gone for centuries. Elijah shows up, been gone for centuries. And nobody says anything. Everybody's in awe. Everybody's blown away except Austin. I mean, Peter. Peter, Peter. Austin. <laughs> Peter. Peter freaks out. Peter's like, uh, duh, look, I got a plan. I got this. Let's, we'll build shelters. We'll build one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah. I got this. And you know you're impulsive. You know you've got a big mouth. When God in heaven audibly speaks to interrupt you, right? Peter's like, we'll go build shelters, we'll build tents. God says, this is my son. Listen to him. In other words, shut up, Peter, right? You're like, oh, are you being too harsh on Peter? He probably was just, you know, doing his best. He was doing his best, but his best was consistently not wise, right? Impulsive. Jesus one night comes out walking on the water. They think he's a ghost. They're scared to death. Then they figure out it's Jesus. Everybody else should just be amazed, just be in the boat and sing praise to Jesus, right? Peter's like, I want to do that. Jesus is like, all right, come on out here. And he walks on water. But then he looks around, and he sees the waves, and he freaks out, and he sinks, right? Crazy life. One day, Jesus starts saying, hey, um, this is my plan. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. Peter's like, no. I know that you've, I've been with you three years. You've never been wrong. You read people's thoughts. You do miracles. You walk on water. You've never sinned. I know all that, but this time, you're wrong, Jesus. I'm right. And he butts in, and Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. Not a good day. Uh-oh. <laughs> If Peter had a TV show, I think the catchphrase would have been, Peter, stop, right? That's the story throughout the Gospels, ups and downs, failure after failure after failure. Jesus says, uh, you guys are going to deny me. You're going to hide. You're going to act like you don't know me. Peter says, not me. These other 11 losers might deny you. Not me. I will die for you. Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows in the morning, before your alarm clock goes off, not, you're not going to deny me once. You're not going to deny me twice. You're going to deny me three times. Nope. Uh-uh. Not me. Such great patience our Lord has. <laughs> he says, look, Peter, Satan wanted you. He wanted, he wanted to end you. He wanted to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you. And you're going to deny me. But after that, when you've returned, strengthen your brothers. And this letter, 1 Peter, is part of that strengthening. This is a real man that really lived, that really died. This all happened. And so they come and they arrest Peter. 
Jesus is praying in the garden. Nobody can stay up. Nobody can stay awake. I imagine Peter's probably like, oh, I wasn't sleeping, you know, whatever. They come and they arrest him. Everybody's laying back. Everybody's scared. Who do you think did something? Peter pulls out his sword. You can't take Jesus. And thankfully, he's a fisherman and not a swordsman. He tries to chop a dude's head off. He got only an ear, right? And Jesus picks up the ear and puts it back. Like always cleaning up his mess. Like Mr. Potato Head, just don't fix. Peter, sit down. Peter, stop. This is the guy he's going to build the church on. Look, if you came in here this morning, you're like, I mess up all the time. I try to live for Jesus, but I got in a fight with my spouse on the way here. I yelled at the kids at McDonald's drive-thru this morning. Like, I'm not perfect. There is hope for you. Peter denies Jesus. He cowers. It gets worse. He's, he's by a fire. He's watching everything unfold. Jesus is arrested. He's given a joke of a trial. He's beaten. He's spit on. All this stuff's going on. He's kind of watching. A little girl goes, hey, aren't you with him? No. Denies Jesus. No, I'm pretty sure you're with him. You look like one of his disciples. Not me. Aren't you from Galilee? Aren't you? No. Cusses out a little girl. And then a rooster crows. And Peter realizes, oh, my goodness. I denied him three times just like he said, and he cries, and he weeps, and he's got to be discouraged. Three days go by. He's got to be in despair, but then somebody comes running back to the disciples and says, you guys, he's alive. No way. No way. He's alive. Peter and the disciples are out on the water. I see Jesus, the risen Jesus, on the shoreline, who you think jumped out the boat in their clothes with their phone in their pocket, right? Peter don't care, jumps in, swims as fast as he can, gets to Jesus. Jesus sitting there with him, having a little breakfast, a little fire by the sea. Same way Jesus denied him three times, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, you know, I love you. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Jesus says, then, then feed my sheep. Feed my, take care of my people. And he restores Peter. Peter's restoration, man, what great hope we can have. Even, like, I have never uh, cussed a little girl out rather than admit that I knew Jesus. I ain't done that yet, all right? I, I haven't done that. I have never cut a dude's ear off. I, I, have never, I have never been called Satan by Jesus. And yet, if Peter can be restored, if his mistakes can be used by God, if he wasn't too far gone, Jesus says, hey, I got to go back. I'm going back, but I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send my spirit. Go wait in Jerusalem. They go. They pray. They wait. They pray. They wait. The Holy Spirit comes. The day of Pentecost, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They speak in another language. All this crazy stuff happens. They speak in tongues. They're prophesying. Everybody's hearing it in their own language. Somebody's got to preach. Somebody's got to get up and say something. Who do you think it was? Peter gets up, full of the Spirit of God, preaches the gospel. You thought you killed him. He's alive. 3,000 people. I don't even know how they heard him. 3,000 people hear, believe the gospel, repent, forgiven of their sin, baptized in water, added to the church. He's a leader, leading people to Jesus, performing 
miracles. And you would think like, okay, now he's seen the risen Jesus. He's got the Holy Spirit. This is when he stops messing up. If you were here this past winter, we studied Galatians. Paul has to call him out publicly on his hypocrisy, his racism, honestly, as he's trying to figure out how to deal with the Gentile believers. He's not perfect still. And yet, God still is not done with him. Listen, we would have... We would have canceled Peter like six times already. But over and over and over, God says, no, 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 you love me. You love me. Do what I want you to do. Feed my people. Feed my lambs. Take care of my kids. Lead my church. Lead my church. Lead my church. You're broken. You're a fisherman. You're not educated. You you don't have every. Do what I've called you to do, and I'll do more than you ever thought you're capable of, Peter. So when we read this letter, I don't want you to be like, okay, it's some... It's something written from some ivory tower or some guy wrote a, no, like the real guy, a real guy that knows about suffering. We're going to look at suffering. We're going to look at difficulty. I mean, life is full of difficulty. The call to follow Jesus is not the call to be just healthy and wealthy and everything's perfect. That's a joke. There are parts of America that preach that. You go anywhere else on the planet, they're like, well, that ain't, it ain't working here. Yes, we're blessed. Yes, God blesses us. Yes, he takes care of us. Yes, sometimes he heals us physically. Yes, sometimes he comes through financially. But the promise of following Jesus is that we'll have to pick up a cross and deny ourselves. That's what it looks like. Nate, if you want to join me. If you've messed up, if you've taken two steps back, if you feel like you're too far to for, be forgiven, if you feel like your reputation is too damaged to be used by God, can I encourage you this morning, look no further than Simon Peter. You are not too far. God is not done with you. The fact that you're sitting in this room tells me the grace of God is still on your life. He isn't finished. He has work for you. He has a calling for you. He has purpose for you. This is your invitation. This is your opportunity. Matter of fact, he wants to use you. He wants you to be an Andrew too. He wants you to bring other people to him as well. He's not finished in your life. I just want you to believe that. You're not too far. This ain't for somebody else. You're not damaged goods. Actually, you are damaged goods, but Jesus loves you anyway, right where you're at. So what happens to Peter? The Bible doesn't say a whole lot. He writes 1 Peter, probably 80, 64 or so. Nero is in control. There's great persecution going on. If you guys are historians, you know there was a great fire. Rome burned. Uh, almost unanimously, it's believed Emperor Nero started the fire, right? And the Christians are like, we didn't start the fire. And then, sorry, that was lame. Okay. Nero starts the fire because he wants, he's a builder. He wants to get rid of everything so he can build it to his vision. But it's not popular. Guess the guy who burned the town down, it's not going over well, right? So he goes, it wasn't me. It was, and up until this point, the, the, the Christians have been tolerated. They've been part of Judaism. Nobody's too worried about them. He goes, it was the Christians. They burned the town. Matter of fact, I heard them talking about eating the, the, eating the, the, the body and drinking the blood. I think they're cannibals. That's a rumor going around. You know what? They, they're talking about one day, eternal fire. They, they burned the city. They're talking about there's only one way, there's only one king. They're insurrectionists. They're rebels. They did it. And so people start getting killed for their faith. They're scattered. They're hiding. They're, they're trying to live as exiles. Peter is there writing them letters, encouraging them, 
telling him, hey, don't deny your faith. I know I did it once, but once you've seen him, once you've realized he's alive, it changes everything. You're not going to be perfect, but you, you can do this. The same spirit that, that's in me when I preached at Pentecost, the same spirit that raised him from the dead. If you're a believer in Christ, that same spirit, that resurrection power is in you. You can endure this suffering. And so tradition tells us that Peter was not taken up in a whirlwind to heaven like Elijah. He did not die in his sleep. He did not have a nice funeral. Peter was given the opportunity to deny his Christ again. He said, there's no way. There's no way. And they said, we'll nail you to a cross just like we nailed him to a cross. He said, you do what you got to do. I can't deny him. I can't deny him. And in his old age, uh, history suggests that thinking it, thinking himself unworthy to die like Christ died, Peter instead put in a request and again, we've got art, art about this. Peter was crucified upside down, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. Same guy with all the failures, all the setbacks. God worked in his life that thousands would be saved, and he'd have such a boldness about him that, that he would rather die than deny Jesus. He wasn't perfect, but he was transformed by the Holy Spirit. He could look back at Jesus' life and the risen Jesus. He could look ahead at heaven and the new heaven and new earth and the promised reward, and it gave him power to endure suffering in the here and now. Listen this morning to me. What you need most is not your problem to be fixed. What you need most is not your situation to go away. What you need most is a relationship with a living, risen Jesus who gives you power, who gives you strength, who gives you his spirit to endure anything this life could ever throw at you. The same one. It's not a similar spirit. The spirit that was in Peter is in you. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you if you're a believer. And the resurrection's coming one day, but it's inside of us now. And that changes how we live. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.